welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we ask, what can you buy with $9 billion? That's a whole lot of flood claim payouts since the drought broke in February 2020. Property owners have a hole in their, of their own. Terry said to me, cheer up, it could be worse. They could be stuck underground in a hole full of water. I know he means well. And AFCA recommend not shutting your pie hole when it comes to dispute resolution. Hello everyone, Terry is MIA, but we have the whole team. I'm joined by senior journalists Benice Han and Miranda Maxwell, deputy editor Wendy Pugh and editor John Deeks. Hi Miranda. Good morning, Andrew. Is there any truth to the rumour that no one ever has ever seen you and Terry in the same room together? Are you in fact the same person? Well, we are doppelgangers, obviously. He is slightly <laughs> less knowledgeable about insurance, though. <laughs> Hello, Bernice. Hi, Andrew. And so what have you done to Terry? I actually have no idea. I forgot. <laughs> Not the greatest excuse. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Wendy, we've had a record number of listeners asking about the state of your carpet with all this rain. Can you give us an update? Well, it, my carpet's going very well, but um, apparently there are some problems elsewhere in the building, so I don't know myself what they are. All right. Well, you heard it here first, listeners. And good morning, John. Morning. Unfortunately, no one seems to care about your carpets. Are they okay? I don't have any. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's why. Well, carpets are not, John. Flood claims are continuing to roll in, but rural property owners have raised a concern over insurance cover. Yes, that's right. You mentioned in your intro, Andrew, the number of flood claims since the drought broke that the Insurance Council put out some statistics about this week. So have a look on our website for all the information on that. As for the latest event, there have been more than 9,000 claims so far for the catastrophe that, that has hit Victoria in the main. Now, we picked up on a news report that was on Channel 9 where there was a couple who live on a farm who had a flooded property in a flooded home, and they were telling the television presenters that they didn't have any flood cover. Now, obviously, we get this a fair bit, and usually it's because the, the, the insureds didn't choose to buy any flood cover. But this couple were saying, we, we couldn't get flood cover even if we wanted to. Our broker told us that he'd spoken to six insurers and none of them were interested in insuring us for flood. And it turns out this is quite a common thing. Insurers generally don't seem to want to write flood cover at all for rural or farm properties. Now, apparently the reason for this is partly because on a large property, they don't exactly know where the home asset is and so they can't accurately rate it for flood and uh, given that they can't give an accurate price they they just don't want to touch it so the plot thickened slightly when the insurance council came back to us and said flood cover is available for all properties including farms we then spoke to a whole range of brokers who said well if that's the case we'd be interested to know who's writing this cover because we can't seem to access it. So yeah, it's an interesting issue. We're still getting feedback from brokers sort of as we speak. So it's probably something we'll have to revisit. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to the fact that, you know, it seems unfair if there's a whole section of society out there who can't access flood cover. It may be slightly academic because even if the cover was available, it might be far too much for any normal person 
to afford. But uh, nonetheless, it's an important distinction, I think, between some of the usual debates that we have on flood. Would this count as market failure, Wendy, if cover isn't available at all? Well, it certainly looks like the market's failing to deliver cover in this situation. I mean, I suppose the question is whether it can be made more available and whether it's out there somehow. It's a bit similar to the sorts of market gap issues that prompted the ICA to set up the Business Advisory Council to look at particular sectors where there are commercial cover, affordability and availability issues. And in that case, they look at what what can be done. And it just seems like there ought to be some way of finding a way forward in this situation. Or, you know, perhaps it does require some sort of government intervention or something. But yeah, it just seems a very um, a very strange one if there can't be a solution found. Yeah, especially if there's demand for it. Well, moving on, Benice Afka have some advice for insurers in its annual review. What is the dispute resolution body saying? Uh, yes, so basically AFCA wants or has set out its expectations. Insurers, you have to talk more with your cl- with your claimants. Butsman Insurance, Emma Curtis says that the absence of engagement can sometimes cause complaints. So um, in the 2021-22 annual review, AFCA says it expects insurers to quote unquote, do everything they can to progress claims. So um, the key thing, according to AFCA, is insurers need to keep their claimants up to date about the progress of their claims. So um, this comes after general insurance complaints rose uh, sharply in the last financial year, including a 54% surge in disputes related to delays in claim handling. AFCA says it understands insurers are having to deal with uh, huge volumes of claims after the unprecedented floods and also other catastrophes. Uh, and then there's also supply issues with building materials. Um, that's adding to the pressure. But AFCA says it is still expecting insurers to improve the industry's resolution outcomes at the registration and referral rate to above 44%. Well, this sounds like a classic case of people not wanting to communicate bad news. But we had a chat about this communication during a catastrophe claims not so long ago, didn't we, John? Yes, we did. For our avid readers that follow all our all our stories, they will have noticed back, back in August, we had an analysis piece about claims handling after catastrophes and looking at the expectations versus the realities of the situation. And in that piece, we we did flag the issue of communication. The General Insurance Code of Practice says that insurers will tell you about the progress of your claim at least every 20 business days. They'll respond to your inquiries about your claims progress within 10 business days. Now, when there's 230,000 flood claims to work through, we spoke to somebody in the industry who said that that is just not going to happen. And those clauses will have been breached tens of thousands of times, just too many claims and not enough staff. And in a sense, what's the point in updating people about claims that haven't progressed anyway. It's seen as an inevitability, I'm afraid, with events of this scale. But uh, it seems like AFCA is now picking up on this problem and reminding insurers of their obligations. Well, Wendy, we had an update from IAG last week as the nation's biggest insurer held its AGM. What were the highlights there? Well, they pointed out that the inflation pressures and the high level of catastrophe activity from last financial year has continued into the current period and and also that reinsurance costs are expected to rise. And a result of all that, you know, the premiums are, are still going up. But CEO Nick Hawkins said that 
despite that, the retention levels are the highest it's seen. So, I mean, I guess prices are going up everywhere and, and uh, customers are obviously putting a lot of importance on having insurance. And they also just reiterated that their financial forecasts for this financial year remain unchanged and also its longer term goals around things like customer growth and the expected improvement of the intermediated business. Well, that's Good news for uh, IAG around retention, but presumably, John, there is a limit to how high personalised premiums can go. Yes, that's right. I mean, premiums going up is obviously good news for insurers and 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 brokers too. It's only good news, I suppose, while the customers can can pay for it. And there was a there was quite a lengthy article on the ABC in recent days looking at the issue of low income people and 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 whether they can continue to afford insurance premiums as as they keep going up i mean as we know there's a there's a broader sort of cost of living crisis at the moment and insurance premiums are are among the things that are rising now this abc article sort of looked at the idea of uh, whether insurance should be classified as an essential service and as a result of that whether the federal government should be providing direct subsidies to low-income people to help them pay their insurance premiums. So that's a, another debate spinning out of the affordability issue, I guess. Well, Miranda, cyber remains a hot topic as high-profile breaches continue. What side articles have you been writing about this week? I wrote two articles this week. I had a great interview with Lindsay Nelson while she was in Melbourne. She's a cyber expert at CFC in London. She's actually Canadian and travels most of the time. She pushed back on the idea that cyber is a hard market. That might sound strange, but she said this implies it's cyclical and will go in waves. But really, she thinks the current pricing is fair in the face of the new threat landscape and these massive cyber exposures. The Medibank and Optus cases are a good example of this huge systemic risk where it's because it's not so much about the company itself that is hacked as all the businesses and the people that are affected as a result of somebody else's breach. So she basically said the only solution to keep cyber cover prices going any higher and keep it viable is to mitigate, try and prevent attacks with better security. And CFC have developed a proactive cyber product for that and they expect their competitors to follow suit. The other story I wrote was a survey McGrath-Nickel does every year. They surveyed Australian businesses with 50 or more employees and found seven of 10 had experienced ransomware attacks. That's up from less than a third last year. And they also found 80% paid the ransom, which averaged a million dollars, mostly without any negotiation and many just paying up within 24 hours. So McGrath-Nickel says this shows business leaders are now treating ransomware threat as they would any other business risk. And it wants leaders to stress test their cyber resilience just as you would practice fire drills and just make it that routine. Wow, those are uh, incredibly high numbers. We're probably going to be talking about cyber for a while yet, aren't we, Wendy? Well, yes, you can see with those sort of figures and, you know, what we can see in the in, in the news that the, the cybercrime issue is, you know, just 
uh, going to get worse. And in the context of global political t- tensions as well, it's it's hard to see any improvement. And it's something that insurers are, are grappling with. And there's really this situation where the risks are rising and demand for protection is also rising. And insurers are, are very wary about the risks that they're taking on. And this is uh, certainly an area where you can't look at um, modelling based on past experience to assess what's going to be happening in the future. Well, finally, John, the latest edition of Insurance News magazine is hitting the desks right about now. What can readers expect from this issue? Yeah, we've got, we got tons of good material in this edition. Thanks to our, our team of journalists. So we've had a look at reinsurance and the trends there, because obviously that's going to have a major impact on all our insurance companies, uh, I guess, as those issues trickle down. So following the major conference that happens in Monte Carlo every year. We've had a close look at that. We've also looked at the listed insurers and brokers, uh, most recent results to see how they're faring. And we've got uh, a detailed report on Taylor Fry's annual class by class examination of insurance. That's their radar report. Along with that, we've got our latest wellness survey results, which has got some really interesting findings that I think everyone should 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 keep up with we've got the 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 local aon ceo chatting to us about uh, about the, the the global brokerage and what its plans are for australia um we've spoken to a global loss adjusting ceo as he returns back to his home turf in australia for a visit and we've had a, a close look at some emerging risks, if they're, if you can call them that. We've had a look at silicosis, which uh, is leading to rising claims. And we've also looked at the issue of e-scooters, which might they, they may be driving everyone mad in our capital cities. They're very handy to get around, but there are some serious insurance issues. So find out about all that in the latest edition of Insurance News. Thanks, John. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Inside Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Bernice Han, Miranda Maxwell, John Deeks, and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.